Cameron Lazies. That's how it's pronounced now. Shane Ryan here, Aaron Kirschenfeld, Ariana Ely. This is take two, my first intro. These guys will, will tell you. It was pretty amazing. It was. Um, but we had to go with that one because I can't <laughs> recapture the magic of my first one. So, okay, we're a Duke basketball podcast. We're here to talk about the Duke basketball team. Um, this is Sunday night. They played on Friday night, and they mm-hmm. absolutely rammed Colorado oh, State you did there. into the ditch. Um <laughs> If there was a ditch, Colorado State would be in it because we beat them by 34 points. Um, I think we're going to start talking about that. Later on, we're going to be jamming on James Wiseman, Mm -hmm. who uh, is currently um, public hero number one against the NCAA. But Ariana, uh, let's start with the man of the match, Cassius Stanley, who is looking absolutely incredible. Yeah, I am floored by this kid, um, by his ability to create offense for himself and his physicality on the court. And he makes it look effortless um, the way that he does it. And his hustle on defense, too. He just is a really solid all-around player. And I keep con- like continue to be shocked by him because I feel like he's undersized. But then I watch the things that he's able to do on the court and, like you would think that he is a larger basketball player than he is the way that he's able to create offense for himself. Yeah, he was incredible. Uh, eight for 11 shooting. Um, I think he made he made a three. He had three different dunks, but mm-hmm. he was hitting mid-range jumpers. Like you said, he's tenacious on D. It seems like he plays really hard. Yep. Um, the last time we were on this podcast, I, uh, I t- talked about my secret source yeah. from Harvard Westlake High School where he played <laughs> a year before transferring that said he was kind of a diva. That source doubled down wow. uh, after I confronted him with the idea that he's clearly full of crap. Because you sent me on Twitter an interview he did. Mm-hmm. He seems awesome. Yep. Like there seems absolutely nothing objectionable. Aaron, you're shaking your head. So he's got that. He's got. Um, I, I know that the kids call it swagger. Um, but but when you um, technical term. That's that's right. He um, Aaron is 72 years old. For those <laughs> who don't know. <laughs> uh, so he made a uh, the the layup in the end one. I think it was in the first half, um, and he just slowly and calmly walked away from the basket uh like it was it was nothing to him mm-hmm. uh and at that moment i wrote in my notes because uh, i started taking notes during I the did game too. Now, um i said he's got the it factor he's got the edge mm-hmm. um and uh uh i don't know why i know that or think i know that um uh, about this young man but i, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder Do you know the origin of that by the way no, I would love Don't, to know. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll just tell you. Um, Please uh, educate us. It'd be better than us just guessing. I know. No, no, I, think, I, think that would, I think that would actually be good if you... The next if 15 you, minutes just being like, is it from an ice chip on the shoulder of a giant? It's not from an ice chip on the shoulder of a giant. Okay. Apparently, you'd walk around in, a, in an old bar uh, where there would be wood chips on the floor, mm-hmm. and you would place one of the chips on your shoulder. And uh, if there was a, a gentleman who you had a disagreement with, uh, you place the chip on your shoulder and uh, uh, go to him and, and ask the gentleman if, if he cared to knock it off uh, the shoulder. Um, wow. There, thereby like instigating the the, the yeah. physical conflict. That's interesting. I prefer that to being slapped in the face with a glove. Agreed. <clears throat> for Agreed. the old-fashioned duel. But I think he actually... Can't you see him doing that? Can't you see him picking up 
one of the wood chips from the side of the of the floor in Cameron and there's so studio. many there's they're, just they're everywhere there, really yeah, it's just but people, as hell there. people don't really understand that uh, if you haven't been it's it's uh, you know covered in peanut Ooh, shells dust and, pile in there yeah it's, a, yeah. it's a, like a Tex-Mex restaurant <laughs> where people bring <laughs> roadhouse yes. steaks and peanut shells <laughs> But no, I definitely could see him doing something like that, not just for starting that altercation, but also for that intimidation factor sure. of you won't. Yeah, you won't. Like you I won't. dare, I dare yeah. you to do this, and I know you won't. Right. Yeah. He. I mean, again, we've talked about this before. You see his ranking uh, among the other recruits, and it's lower. It's still super yep. high. So it's not like he's a bad player. But you're like, oh yeah, well, he just broke Zion Williamson's vertical leap record. Mm-hmm. So that means that if he was actually good at basketball, he'd be like the number one ranked player. And yeah. so you think, okay, because he's number 30 or whatever he was, he's a super good athlete and he's not good. Uh, or he's not, he's not like refined. A superstar, he yeah. seems more refined than any other freshman right now. Agreed. I mean, it's incredible. This guy, I, someone I read earlier today on a message board. They're like, he is playing himself into one and done status. And it's like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, this is, seems maybe like the best player on our team right now. Yeah, agreed. Um, and it, so I was talking with a, a group of friends earlier today after playing some basketball myself, and we we got to talking about Cassius and the fact that the just shock of him coming in as the like lowest of our like incoming freshmen rank ranking wise, and then seeing him kind of just blast the others out of the water with his performances. Um, and then we had an interesting discussion of who's the second best player on our team, right? So we know that Cassius is like outstanding. Um, and like some people also debated like Trey being that like first best player. And then they were like, who's the second best? Like who comes next? Yeah. I mean, I would have told you after the exhibition games that it was Matthew Hurt. Um, and he still looks good. Don't get me wrong. But he was a focal point of the offense, especially in that Northwest Missouri State game. Um, reigning Division II champions. So don't don't <laughs> scoff immediately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem like and that's one thing I wanted to bring up, too. And we might as well do it now is that I don't see him like getting a ton of touches. It seems all of a sudden like he's a guy that is put out there and be like, play good D mm-hmm. and, and pick your spots offensively, like, you know, get boards or, or facilitate. But they're not posting him up like they were before. Yep. Um, and I really, really wish they would because he was he now, was... you know, Vernon Carey is pretty darn good in the post, too. So, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches to some degree. But I, I do hate to see Matthew Hurt sort of fade out of the offense a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And especially coming in as a like player that I was like, man, he like is reminiscent of Ryan Kelly in his game. And like, I mean, I'm tr- trying to remember the early years of Ryan Kelly, too. And there was a kind of working period until he kind of worked himself into a really solid piece of our offense. Um, and so it's possible that that'll be the storyline for Matt Hurt, too. Um, but I hope that he is able to kind of get into a swing a, a swing of things. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right, he does have really solid, really like delicate footwork when he's in the post. And it would be a shame to like not actually let him use that. But then he has a great touch from three. And so between those two options on offense, I feel like we should be giving him some more chances with the ball. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Aaron, I would like to turn to you and talk about somebody who arguably shouldn't be getting more touches on Mm. the offensive side of the ball. And that person is Javin Duvalier, (laughs) as my stepfather calls him, or Delorier, as he's called in real life. Uh. So yeah, I, I think a lot of people have, have commented on this uh, uh, in one one way, shape, or form, uh, uh, which is that uh, he seems to keep inventing new ways uh, to miss shots. Um, uh, although he had that streak last year where I think he made eighteen uh, buckets in a row. Yep. 
Um, so I don't know where this is coming from. Maybe he's he's reaching a little bit, um, uh, trying to do too much. He did have a good um, uh, and one right before the, the end of the first half mm-hmm. uh, where the ball went in the basket, uh, and he made the free throw, uh, which was good. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, yeah. That was fantastic. Um, but yeah, he. <laughs> there was a moment where I think you and I were either texting or we might have been on the Google Doc already, but he got a perfect feed, I think maybe from Hurt, on like a sort of uh, yep. on a sort of dive to the rim yep. and just missed a point blank layup that you well, and I would have would have made. Well, and I mean, and he knocked out Jack White. Yeah, he did. It was like a bad. <laughs> it, was it was rough. A bad first half for Javin. Um, so there was a split second moment after he knocked out Jack White where he went to reach for Jack as Jack was falling down, but then the ball was still alive, and so you see him almost turn in slow motion from Jack to the ball to try to recover from what he had just done. <laughs> He didn't want to look upon the <laughs> havoc he had wrought. Um, yeah, Jack Jack White, uh, and he came back in the game, so all is good there. But mm-hmm. I guess if there's something to be said for Javin, he definitely has like the um, Lance Thomas Zubek potential of just being the like strong, like ultra physical, and hopefully um, self uh, <laughs> self analytical enough to know his role type yeah. player. If if this team does end up making a run, which I don't know. It's early. There's a lot to be played. Yeah. We're going to change our minds 3,000 times, but I, I do like what this team brings. Like Speaking overall, Ariana, what like the makeup of this team, they're almost like a bunch of scrappers out there in a way we haven't seen from Duke in a while. I, I dig it. Like I dig the team defense. I, I just kind of am like, Aaron said this, I think, in one of our first podcasts, that it's going to be a fun journey with this team because it will be... There's a lot to to learn. There's a lot to like go up from here. Yeah. Um, and with this team, and I think I've said this before too, is they they need everybody. And like the thing about them is that like, whereas last year's team they were just gonna like run and gun and like tromp all over you, these guys do have to kind of scrap for points and get really creative in how they either get the ball to the bucket or get men open on the perimeter, and what they kind of lack on the offensive side of the court, they more than make up for on the defensive side of the court. And I think I was looking at a stat uh, earlier today that was just looking at what they're doing on defense. And it was so impressive that I screenshotted it because I'm that kind of person. Um, And it said that in so far this season, we forced 46 turnovers, only allowed 41 field goals and have made 55 points off of turnovers that have occurred. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, oftentimes, right towards March, all you start hearing is defense wins championships. And like, right. I'm not going to talk about championships right now, but I think our team has a defense that can really help them and carry them through some tough games. And, and there will be tough games. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to say that. I mean, there. Uh, there's a guy named Ken, or he's called Kedzie on the Duke uh, DBR <clears throat> message boards, and he comes out with the Ken Pomeroy type advanced stats. Yeah. And both for Kansas in this game, it's been interesting, which is uh, the defense. The defensive stats are unbelievable, especially for this time of year. And it goes right down to, I mean, we were facing the best rebounder ever from the Mountain West, which is mm-hmm. no small designation. Um, and I think they had eight offensive boards, and they were missing a ton of shots. Yeah. So that's really, really fantastic. Now, on the other hand, we don't get offensive boards yeah. so far. And, uh, you know, you look at our half-court sets, they're not good. Our three-point shooting is, is still rough. God-awful. It's like, so rough. It's, like, worse than last year so yeah. far. Um, so, yeah, anybody who thinks this team is, like, going to coast to, you know, mm-hmm. a 14-2 ACC record, or yeah. I guess it would be 18-2 this mm-hmm. year, um, that's not going to happen. But, yeah, kind of like a, a tale of two teams in a way, Aaron. Yeah. Um, 
Sure. The, you know, the thing that, that you see in championship teams is uh, good defense, usually, and uh, uh, veteran guard play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good thing we have our veteran sophomore point guard. Uh, yeah, uh, Trey. Trey uh, Jones. To, to make up the backcourt, uh, along with the junior, uh, uh, Jordan Goldwire. Yeah, Trey has been pretty awesome yeah. so far, uh, particularly in the Colorado State game. He was all over it. Uh, I'm looking through our notes, Aaron. We, you and I are both just like reactionary as hell. Um, so um, Wendell Moore ended up having a really good game. And I was going to say like to Ariana, like, he's a dark horse at this point for being that third best player. Because yeah. there were moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, here he goes. This is what, yeah. we, were, this is what we were missing from him. But one, um, one thing I like, I don't know who wrote this, Aaron, between you and I, but it was... Trey scoring too much. That was me. <laughs> that was you. Well, I wrote that only because of of. Well, I guess he's he's actually scoring the right amount based yeah. on the theory that that he has to to um, try too hard uh, on offense uh, until mid January when he will stop shooting as much as he does, uh, distribute the ball a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but do you know who's hovering around a seventy five percent field goal percentage? Oh, tell me. It's Cassius. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, eight for, eight for eleven against, and he's, not that's pretty good. Yeah. He's been for very not efficient, not being a giant guy who yeah. stands two feet from the basket. So yeah, what, he's what been is very his, efficient. What is his height? Six six. Yeah, so, I'm just so that's recorded height. So he's six, six four. Six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's, yeah, I made that joke earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to point out um, one other basketball player who was listed at six six. Young man played at a university awfully close to here. In the 80s, then he played for the Chicago Bulls in the 1990s. I'm talking about none other than Michael Ashcroft Jordan. <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, yeah. And I, I left that game thinking Cassius Stanley is going to be equally as good as Michael Jordan by the time. Uh, that seems reasonable. <laughs> no, but he was really good. It was exciting to see him. Um, Anything to add on Wendell Moore, Ariana? I mean, I, I was just like, some of his moves that he put on, I'm like, this is the guy that we've been waiting for. Yeah, I was really impressed to see him come out and have a good game. I think we've all been really waiting for that to happen and to see what's this kid made of, of what is he bringing to the table. Um, and it was nice to see him get some good like takes to the basket um, and you know get some good hustle plays in there there are a couple of moments when he's looking at passing the ball and he like almost can't help but pass it straight into defenders and it's like you can see the person he's trying to get the ball to totally yeah and it's like he's he knows that if it could work it would be a great idea but he isn't aware of like the realities of what's standing in the way of that pass working yet so he like pulls the trigger too quickly um but i think if we can start to get him in more in the like win column of like good things that he's doing and we can kind of rev his engines a little bit and start building that confidence those kind of little turnover mistakes will decrease yeah, and I have to think those are partly uh, partly nerves and partly ambition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, partly wanting to show what kind of player yep. you are and like the nervous energy that comes from that. And yeah, like you said, we you know, but you never do really know if somebody has it in them to rein that in. Yeah. With him it could be the case that he could do it immediately once he gets a little confidence mm-hmm. or it could be kind of part of his DNA that he's always going to do this and he'll piss coach K off and play 10 minutes a game or right. something. But uh, part of me like in seeing some of the plays that he got, like I could see him slotting into a similar position as like Justice Winslow who like there are some moments when Justice would get the ball and you're like nobody else is touching that ball. He's going to drive that regardless uh-huh. of how many people he's driving that oh, yeah. through. Oh yeah. Um and if we can continue kind of getting Wendell to like really show up and really play, I think we could get some more moments like that out of him. 
one guy we really have to talk about because I have been on him from the beginning, very negative on him. <laughs> but I will say this. Our team shooting from three-pointers without this person was one for 16. Yeah. This man was three for six. No, sorry, three for, yeah, three for six from three, uh, five for nine from the field, scored 14 points, Alex O'Connell. Oh, yeah. Looked really good, I thought. I mean, looked legitimately like a guy who I'm really glad to have on our team. Have you seen his gif? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Ooh, he does a winky thing. <laughs> was that from the Colorado State game? No, so no, no, no. They um, apparently they're um, uh, Duke Duke's uh, the social media uh, organization is putting together gifs. Is that right? Yeah. Did I get it right? Um, I GIF? always say gif, but people do get on me about saying gif. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I, I, I think it's both acceptable. Yeah. Okay. I think they talked with the guy who invented it, and he said gif. If that means anything to you, I don't know. I think that's. Yeah, that's a concept called uh, 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 warrant <laughs> in, the, in the information science biz. Uh, so I'm going to go with GIF then. Yeah. Great. Uh, so he does a, um, I only saw two of the, the GIFs. One was of uh, Cassius doing the, the eating out of the bowl motion. Yep. Like um, Zeke Elliott from mm-hmm. yes. Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are they eating? I would assume noodles. <laughs> that's that's what I was thinking too. But I mean, metaphorically, I guess it's the other team's defense. Well, right, right, right. But like, what do you think they're imagining that they're eating? <laughs> that's a really fun game to play. I like the idea of it being noodles because you can't eat it quickly, and so yeah, you're gonna choke. You're gonna choke. <laughs> and and uh, well, I mean, that's so, a good question. Like maybe just soup or cereal. Ooh, I bet it's cereal. Yeah, I yeah, bet it's cereal. That raises another question: What kind of cereal are they eating? Cheerios. I was gonna say classic Wheaties because that's the sports cereal it according is. to the box. Mm. But Cheerios is good. I mean, I think you guys both have a great point, and I think we should continue this conversation great. in every podcast we do this. What year. are they eating? What are they eating? Out of the bowl. Yeah, we're all gonna need twenty-four hours after this talk to think about it and kind of get our arguments together. Sure, but um, and and feel free to weigh in on on social media about what you think they're eating out of the bowl. Okay, but the the point about about Mr. Haircut. Is his his GIF is uh, uh, him standing there? So so these are prepared GIFs, um, almost like uh, you know school portraits that you would get, right? Uh, and he does a shooting motion, and then he does a little wink. That's fun. And a star comes out of his uh, winking eye. That seems designed to get people to like Duke more. If that's the mission, I think. I think it's, it's a success. I think it's not possible to like Alex O'Connell more. Um, he's no, I, he's. I can't take my eyes off the guy. He's he's definitely got. Well, I think we we all know he's a very intelligent player and a very gifted player. Uh, I don't necessarily know that he's a very intelligent player. What about that rebound he made in the game against Kansas? We we ground the film. Uh, you understand this is a tape. This is a tape grinding podcast this is the peyton manning of duke basketball podcasts uh and he uh, i believe he came off his man uh on offense in order to uh, make a putback uh, rebound against kansas yeah you're yeah. absolutely right yeah. you're absolutely right i and can't argue with that it did seem like uh a mixture of of intuition and intelligence mm-hmm. um that allowed him to to be make in that, that position at that time 
That's fair. I yep. yeah. I wish he. Was, I mean, our complaint last year and Ariana, we, we've been over this a million times, is that he he did shrink from the moment mm-hmm. most of the time, with some notable exceptions. The yeah. Syracuse game we always bring up. Um, yeah, I'm really hoping that he doesn't do that this season, yeah. especially from looking at the first handful of games that we've played, and like he's really come out and kind of shown what he's capable of, and I hope that he keeps it going. Um, because he's a very talented basketball player. And I think sometimes people forget that, um, like forget that he can easily get to the basket when he chooses to. And he can easily like I the three that he just popped back and took like during the Colorado mm-hmm. State game was a thing of beauty. And I was like, yes, I yeah, want to see yeah, more absolutely. of that confidence, Alex. Just like step back and put that shot up right in the other player's face. Yeah. And to Aaron's point, he does seem like the guy that's often open on a fast break. That's the one getting to a corner or getting to a wing to spot up for an open three. Yep. And, you know, those... You know, obviously, it's we need shooters. We need all the shooters we can get. But it does feel like those are moments, too, when the team is on a run where you have that one moment always where it comes where it's like, if this three goes down, this, the place is either going to yep. explode or it's right. going to deflate if yep. you're on the road. And the other team is really going to feel it. There's always that one moment and you just kind of die inside when they miss it a little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's that guy, right? He's yep. that guy that can hit that three. He's a guy that's going to be open and we yep. need him to be that guy. Um, because like I said, otherwise we're one for 16 from three. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that one was who hurt, it, hurt. It was hurt at the very end of the game to right. move the total yeah. points Duke scored to, what was it? 89 from 86. That's right. So okay. I almost got my, um, my, my pregame yeah. prediction of, of 86 points, but Matthew hurt ruined it for me. Rude. Uh, it was rude. Shane, you predicted 90. Uh, that's Price is Right rules. You were over. So uh, I still I still, I still, win. Um, can I can I ask you both a, a question? Yes. yes. Yes, indeed you can. Of course you can. Thank you. Uh, you both have played team sports? Indeed. Uh, yep. Okay, so I, I haven't, really. Um, I don't even have any brothers or sisters. Um, so I'm not used to dealing with other people uh, a lot, uh, as may be evident from is, is my this podcast. Yeah, Ariana, Ariana actually brought that up with me. <laughs> <laughs> Little concerned, Aaron. Just so you guys know, Aaron talks the entire podcast. <laughs> Anytime you hear Ariana I talking, it's me editing his volume down. <laughs> he really doesn't know how to share. <laughs> It's me. It's just a. It's just a sixty-minute model. Even after we stop recording, he goes on. I have to carry him to his car and sort of put, put it in drive, and then he gets home somehow. But I've told that uh, chip on shoulder uh, story <laughs> so many times. That's the sixth time, right? No, no. Let me let me ask you a question, uh, and that is, um, uh, you you mentioned O'Connell shrinking from the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I wonder about the dynamic since basketball is a team sport. Um, what is it like being out there and understanding that your actions are going to have that big of an effect on the four other people that are out mm-hmm. there? Does, how does that figure into your decision-making about what you do? Like, oh, if I take this shot, is nobody going to talk to me in the locker room? Uh, are <laughs> yeah. they not going to let me get my bowl of Cheerios? <laughs> Wheaties. Uh, uh, or, yeah, they're, they're going to cut, they're gonna cut <laughs> me in the line. Slap it or, out of your or, hands. Right. So, so I wonder about this notion of shrinking from the moment, um, uh, what they're, they're uh, told in practice, uh, for instance, uh, about, you know, we, we all hear these teamwork platitudes. Yeah. But, but like, what, what do you do in that situation? Well, let me go quick yeah, and go then I'll, I'll kick it to okay. you. But yeah, I, I as I might have good perspective on this as somebody who is always like the fourth or fifth best player on the team. 
somebody who on a good day scored eight points but was trying to play hard defense. Yeah, like in basketball especially, everybody has to know their role, and a good coach will really kind of tread that balance between making sure you know your role and filling you with confidence, but mm-hmm. also making sure you're not just jacking threes when you're mm-hmm. not the guy who should be doing that. Um, so there is, it's always like, you know, team sports are the ultimate thing where when you win together, it feels better than it would in an individual sport yep. where you win alone. And when you lose together, it feels worse than it would losing on your own in some ways. Um, so, and uh, only quick thing I would add, this idea of shrinking from the moment is something I and, you know, probably every athlete has experienced and not only individually, but I've experienced a team shrinking from the moment. Yeah. I've had games, I, I can think of like two or three from high school, where you're winning on the road and the other team starts making a run and their fans get into it and you just can't get it together. Your coach tries to, yeah. you try to like say the right words to each other, but when you're out there on the court, it's just the momentum is all on your shoulders mm-hmm. and you can't quite do it. I've also had games that are high stakes where you go out extremely nervous. Um, and I've had games where you go out ready to play, but like the ones where you're nervous, you can feel the moment on you. And it's, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been on both sides of it. I've seen people shrink. I've shrunk myself. It's some people are always like, is choking real? I'm like, yeah, I can tell you. I can tell you it is. It's so, (laughs) so, so real. Um, and yeah, kind of in echoing what, what Shane said, I think what you hope for is that your teammates have your back. Um, and you you do want those moments where if you do feel yourself shrinking away that they can help get you back into that moment and that they will keep giving you chances to come back into the mix um but there are times where kind of you yourself are your own worst enemy and like you are the ones like you're the one who's who's pulling yourself out of out of the game out of your rhythm Mm -hmm. um and it is a really hard thing to kind of claw your way back into um and like sometimes you get those magic moments where it happens like duke's come back against louisville i think everybody was aware that they were entirely out of it during that game and then there was just this turnaround point and i don't even know what that turnaround point was but i can remember sitting and watching the game with shane and we were just like okay if we can just make it to 50 points like that'll just be a moral victory for like the game Yeah. yeah yeah um and then they were able to claw their way back into it and so you you do you kind of have to find this i don't know almost balance between trusting your teammates and trusting trusting them when they give you the ball in moments where you feel yourself shrinking away that if they trust you enough to try and get back into it that you can get back into it um but it yeah it ebbs and flows I will say one quick thing to bring golf into it, which is what you guys and all our listeners deeply want, I'm sure. Um, but one of the greatest Ryder Cup pairs ever, uh, the Europeans, Ian Poulter and Justin Rose, who are legendary together, and they always win. And someone once asked Ian Poulter um, what it was that made them so good. And his explanation was, uh, we know we never have to say I'm sorry to mm. each other. And I think that's like really critical in a team dynamic in yep. terms of what you're talking about. The confidence that you have in each other, the idea that if you mess up, it's okay. Your teammates have your back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But I, and to your point about the Louisville game, uh, I think what part of what made that so special is it's just so unique and so rare to to turn the momentum and get the other team running scared on their own floor. Yep. That is, I mean, it happens at home quite a bit, and you know why? Because the fans are screaming right. to do that on an enemy floor where everybody's rooting and cheering against you. I mean, that that was one of the most special regular season games I Agreed. think I'll ever see. It was awesome. Agreed. I'll, so. I, well, I'll, uh, I'll admit that I have had questions about whether momentum uh, is real in, in these yeah. games, especially 
as the the level increases, right? The the um, the level of talent, the mm-hmm. the amount of coaching, uh, the actual film grinding, yeah. the <clears throat> the strategies that that you put together uh, pregame, um, you know, one begins to wonder: Are the players actually you know emotionless automatons, and and do mm-hmm. they just go to their spot uh, where they're supposed to go? And they really forget the last time they missed the la- this shot, right? Um, you know, you got to put it out of your mind. Uh, but, but apparently, no, uh, not. Yeah, I would say no. I mean, unless you get to like Ray Allen level, where you can blindfold, take two steps, and find <laughs> your right, spot and right. sink them like effortlessly. I think you. I think there is a difference between um, playing with that emotion, but then also trusting your shot or that you're going to find your shot to put another one up um and like not letting the fact that like yeah you've missed a couple like stop you from taking those chances again um and so it's kind of like you know i'm thinking uh either like jay williams or like jj reddick right if they would miss a shot the moment they got the ball back they were doing it again because they were like they they weren't going to take that miss as the final say um they were gonna let momentum have its way with them exactly and so um i think you do you you don't ignore it and you don't forget it but you shake it off and you try again because you have to right and all the practice that you've put in to get to that point you've you know missed god knows how many but you've also made and you know you know the feel of a bucket when it's going in right um and so you just keep (laughs) well you should it's fantastic a feel of an ace the feel of an ace there you go getting down the middle line i've shot a lot of three-point shots and made very few of them (laughs) but no yeah and just like as far as team momentum this is a quick last thing i think that louisville game is a great example but every year there's there's games like Mm -hmm. that where when you see a team you know going on a 20 to 2 run and the other team looks like deers and headlights they really just look stunned and have no answers i think that's like i I just think that yeah momentum is very very real yeah Um, and even sorry to add one more thing like it it can sometimes even come down to like those small moments so i think a couple of episodes ago we were talking about like i think it was looking into the kansas game we were talking about like what things were going to be important and i said the first couple minutes of the like second half are going to be crucial right um and it's kind of one of those things where if you can win those first few minutes when you're right back on the court after halftime it really does set you up for kind of if you're up you know putting the throttle on and like keeping that lead or if you're down like starting from scratch and can either getting back even or taking the lead and kind of you get that shock factor that stun factor from from going there at my volleyball game tonight one of the other players was like if we can just get the first three points in the second set we're, we're you're cruising. off to the races yeah yeah, yeah. um all right so let's uh one last thing i want to say about the game aaron really really wanted the more than double just at any point in the second half and it got to 73 to 37, literally one point away, but yep. we never, ever got the more than double. Aaron, I'm sorry. Um, but as a consolation, you did get to um, watch the ACC network. Uh, and I think we have <laughs> we have some stuff to say. Ariana, I, I hope you've seen it before. Oh, Ar- yes. Ariana was at the game. <laughs> Ariana was at the game, but she knows she knows the deal. We've made fun of the commercials before. They're terrible. Aaron, uh, Aaron was really kind of going off on the commercials, and it was uh, <laughs> share it, share well, it with so, us. Okay, there are. Um, uh, this is this is a good problem to have as a, as a sports fan, which is you know during the eight to ten blowouts uh, that we get during the year, um, you have to find something to do with your time. Uh, especially when when you're watching uh, on the TV. I didn't really pay very much attention to 
any of the play on the court uh, <laughs> for, I would say, from the period between like 18 minutes uh, uh, remaining in the in the second half mm-hmm. to about eight minutes remaining in the second half. Fair. Um, I, I know we increased our lead. And in fact, that was that was the whole object was uh, <laughs> seeing if we could score more than double the amount of points. And and I kept, I was updating it each time. You know, so there was one in the 60s where we had it. It was pretty close. Uh, I think uh, you know we were at 68 and, and we were really close. And what, what did we end up? 73? 73-37, I think, was the and, one, yeah, was and one point away. I think, uh, you know, uh, one of the, the Colorado State uh, uh, guys went up and, and canned a three, and I was like, "Ah, shit, it's over." Um, uh, because, <laughs> to, to him, we'd lost the game. At but, that well, point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd lost the game within the game. Uh, but yeah, if you uh, if you had the great good pleasure of of watching this um, uh, on the ACC network, uh, uh, it turns out it's an ACC network thing. It's it's not just the demographic of who's watching uh, oh, wow. uh, men's college basketball on a Friday night. Uh, which I figured <laughs> put put me in the sixty five plus demo anyway. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I can't I can't actually determine which of these is is my least favorite uh, commercial. Uh, so you know you get your your typical um, uh, sixty five plus. Like if you watch a lot of daytime TV, you, you've seen these uh, the uh, uh, Medicare uh, coverage helpline. Uh, with uh, with Broadway Broadway Joe Namath, uh, who's definitely a figure I trust uh, to tell me about Medicare. Yeah. Uh, the last promise expert. he made was that he was going to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> but then he did say he was going to kiss Susie he Colbert. He did. He so. did. Um, it's just like when Dennis Hopper was doing those retirement ads, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh yes, Dennis Hopper, uh, known reliable figure." <laughs> Um, <clears throat> the guy doing a weird tongue wag in blue velvet. <laughs> That's what I wanted me to plan for my retirement. Uh, yeah, uh, get Heineken, uh, not Paps Blue Ribbon. Oh wait, no, no, not Heineken. Yes, Paps Blue Ribbon. Okay, I believe is is what he would would say, and and also make sure to plan for your retirement. Um, uh, I think <laughs> I've seen the copper compression socks. Is this real that all the kids have them? All I, the athletes? I don't know. A uh, compression socks. No, I've always thought of it as like uh, copper. Older and, people with edema. Okay, but you know they're so hard to get on. Well, I've I've heard that, but I I've heard that I've heard that this new brand, Aaron, they're not hard to put your socks on. Uh, th- this is really it's like uh, shooting fish in a barrel uh, with with some of these. Whether it's the the lawn product that grows your lawn so well, it can do it on a cinder block. Uh, are you tired of all those fancy Western boots? Well, we've just made some regular Western boots. <laughs> cheap ass fucking shit Tacova boots. Uh, uh, if you're cleaning your sleep apnea uh, materials, uh, no problem. And and I, I think the um, uh, the saddest one was not uh, not the laser tag ones. We 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 hate those. Um, uh, the it's saddest, as if, yeah. It's as if other video game consoles don't right, exist. Right, don't exist. <laughs> yeah, I need something where I can project a butterfly onto a wall, then shoot it with a 1980s later laser pistol. That's, so that's what I want. They must be the same company because Projex is the is the uh, projection game, and then Laserx yes. is the uh, laser uh, laser tag game. Yep. Um, uh, I'm assuming that's there. That's that's a link. Um, uh, but. Uh, it was actually hearing the eight seven seven cash now commercial. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> but without the singing. 
So it was like, oh no, no, the singing is too gauche. Uh, we're not going to have the uh, eight seven seven cash now uh, because our, this audience is, they won't stand for it. Um, we they just, see music as like the devil's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is serious law firm. If you have a structured settlement and you need cash now, call eight seven seven cash now. Uh, but you know, you gotta. <laughs> You got to say it uh, in that way. But but yes, um, uh, it turns out that this is not just the demographic for watching uh, uh, young men aged 18 to 22 on Friday night uh, in basically their underwear uh, jumping around in, in the gymnasium. Uh, this is common to the ACC network um, uh, ad buyers as a whole who are must be 65 plus. Uh, and think that this is a good idea. And have like $12 as a budget. <laughs> That's right. I just want to like shout out, I mean, uh, this one commercial in particular, like you said, um, like paranoid racist old white men is like the main demo, like above 70. And there was the one game for kids. But the one thing in between it was Island Beer Tailgate, which was like watching a modern like Hitler's Youth like oh, commercial. God. It's just like all these like, like terrifying children of the corn playing cornhole uh, and like drinking Island Beer. It was it was really like a nightmarish vision of of like my generation of America. Oh, um, and I just do want to show Island Beer. <laughs> if you're interested in sponsoring the Cameron Lazy's podcast, uh, we can do a different pitch next time if you want. No, but we're really sorry to whoever is having to actually do these ad buys. Yeah, um, it's rough because we we know you don't want to be doing this, uh, and uh, um, we're sorry. You know, it'll, it would. Be- will be an interesting thing so long as games are put on ACC Network to see how their commercials change over time. Since it's like just launched and these are like scraping bottom of the barrel commercials that they can so like we'll get. get anybody on yeah. There. yeah. So maybe yeah. maybe in future they'll be able to be more selective. That's maybe. the hope. I just hope we never get rid of the night vision binoculars <laughs> yes. because of all, I mean... <laughs> I love that commercial. They like pretend it's about watching owls until at the end where they like spot an intruder. And they're like, oh yeah, that's what it's about. It's for old people who think like people are going to home invade them and they want binoculars to see them because they can't see past their, um, past their hands. Right. And they, and they can't sleep more than three to four hours a night. So they're up during those hours Exactly, and and you got to look at something. But I also do like it because I've never seen a commercial before that's four and a half minutes long. And so I appreciate that about yeah. the Vision binoculars. There's like acts to it. Yeah. It's a five act play uh, as a commercial. They, so um, and it ends with, uh, yeah, paranoia that um, somebody's going to uh, break into your home and <laughs> do God knows what. Uh, Aaron, there's a note here about our good friend Chris Spatola from the ACC Network. Do we, oh, God. Do we want to go into this or just say that we, uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to leave it to you. Thanks. Uh uh so he's he's the color man uh in the broadcast yep um he's the wit yeah he did a lot of seinfeld jokes so that was great I mean, jerry was there he was sitting next to the admiral just having a good old time uh we put jokes and quotes on the seinfeld thing yeah they were bad um uh so i mean i i don't want to talk about a another person's livelihood uh and the job that they do you have the power to get him fired with what you say in the next 30 seconds i definitely do um i did think however that he shared one very interesting uh uh piece of information that i did not know and uh that is did did you all know this that uh 70 percent of shots that are taken go long 
Is that true? Wow. Well, that's what he said. And it, I mean, it made sense. As Charles Barkley said, any idiot can score. It takes brains to rebound. Mm -hmm. Uh, Perhaps that's what he meant. He had really, uh, Chuck had run the numbers, uh, realized 70% of the time the ball was going long. But why do you think, assuming it is true, because why would Chris Patola lie to us? Um, Why indeed? Uh, (laughs) uh, Assuming it's true, why? You know, I do wonder if bank shots uh, are counted as, as having shot long. Or is it only a percentage of shots that miss? Oh, I think it was shots that miss go long. Go long. Okay. Um, yeah, because clearly if it was just shots, period, pe- teams shoot better than 30%, so yeah. the stat would be wrong on its face. So it must be percentage of missed shots. Why do they go long? I don't know. Um, from my experience, I haven't noticed that, but I have I no uh, I have no explanation if, it's, if it indeed is true. And like I can see like certain shots, like if you're shooting from either of the corners, like judging that distance is really Mm -hmm. difficult. And so it's very easy to actually have that go long. Um, But I'm having a harder time seeing that playing out on other like other shots that you'd take from other spots on the court. So I don't know. Is it like um, in what is that sport that you were talking about earlier? Golf? That's right. Where you don't want to ever leave the putt short. I, I usually watch golf in like a uh, Sunday afternoon sleep uh, uh, haze because I like the, all the greenery on, mm. on the screen sure. yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. the calming voices. Yeah. Uh, but they always say, ooh, he left that putt short. Um, mm. uh, and I wonder um, if leaving a shot short is just something you don't want Wanna to do. do. Um, if you're going to miss, miss long. Do they discuss this? So, so no. Like I've I've, I've often wondered about about this. Um, uh, like do, in uh, football practice, do they discuss proper ways to fall down? That's a good question. Yeah, I because there are in proper ways to tackle. They do mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah, how do you fall down to avoid tearing your ACL? Which I've yeah. done. So like stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So if you're you're gonna miss your shot, yeah. miss it long for for extra strategic reason. reason. I would say having played basketball, that's not a thing because the basketball, you know, in golf, you if you come up short, you can't make the shot. And going long is just as the same as going short. But in basketball, the cylinder is so small that you're just trying to make the shot. Yeah. So I don't think it's a thing of like shoot Planning. shoot farther. Because yeah. it's, it's really not, doesn't give you a better chance to to make it. Yeah. And like, it could just be like straight up, like fear that your shot isn't going to be long enough, which is why players end up shooting too strong and then it ends up going long. But I can't, that rhymed in very weird ways. Um, sorry. But I can't, yeah, think of a like strategic reason that you would aim to do that. No. I mean, the only thing I think of is it creates long rebounds, which yeah, you have a better chance more... of getting offensive boards. But again, that's not why you shoot. Right. <laughs> you don't right. shoot to try to, to get the rebound. You try, you shoot to make it. Or like if it goes out of bounds, you stop a fast break because the other team doesn't have a chance to get a defensive rebound. But yeah, yeah. again, you're not going to aim to do that. That's right. That's well, they right. must have done a science on this, right? I can't find anything quickly Googling it, but uh, let's... All right. Well, we'll, we'll leave it up to our... our uh, our lovely listeners and and tactical geniuses out there. That's right. So they will find us what folks are eating, what's in their bowls, what's in the bowls, what's in the bowls and that people are eating, whether or not seventy percent of shots go long, missed yeah. shots, missed Miss shots go <laughs> long. Shots. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, these are these are good things to uh, to look for for next time. Um, before we wrap up here, I do want to touch on um, James Wiseman, yeah, who is the Memphis freshman who is ruled ineligible. By the NCAA on Friday, he was the number one recruit in his class, um, potential number one draft pick. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, seems like he's going to be a lottery pick. 
Uh, exciting guy. There was a temporary restraining order issued by a judge mm-hmm. in uh, Shelby County in Tennessee that said, no, he's going to play, or he can play until yep. we have another hearing. So he did, in fact, play. He had a nice game, 17 points on Friday. But each game he plays now, after this NCAA ruling, puts um, puts Memphis kind of mm-hmm. under the gun. So real quick, before I, I get everybody's opinions, let me just, for listeners, outline the quick details um, Penny Hardaway, who two years ago was the coach of a high school team in Memphis, paid $11,500 um, for James Wiseman and his family to move to Memphis. Uh, he contributed to their moving expenses. And uh, the idea was that this guy Wiseman would play for his high school team, which he did, which was a big deal. Their Tennessee yeah. High School Association or whatever, there was like a, a big whatever you would call it. I don't know if it's a lawsuit or whatever the term is, but they fought it and mm-hmm. there was no resolution. So he did get to play uh, for Penny Hardaway for two years. Um, but then, uh, you know, Penny Hardaway uh, became the coach uh, of Memphis after James Wiseman's senior year. This was last March yep. when they decided this. They bought out Tubby Smith for $10 million because Tubby Smith is a terrible coach and they never should have hired him in the first place. Um, but anyway, uh, they knew and they had to know that by bringing Penny Hardaway in, they were bringing him Wiseman. They were bringing in James Wiseman, the best player in his class. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is that financial angle connecting it. Now, the NCAA, in their typically ham handed way, their rationale for their logic was that, okay, 10 years ago, Penny Hardaway gave, I think, a million dollar gift for, you know, so the Penny Hardaway, like, Center for Recreation or whatever it was. He gave a million dollars to the school. And so by their definition, he is now a booster in perpetuity, mm-hmm. which is stupid. I mean, it's like yep. it's kind of idiotic. Uh, however, I, I do think there's like under their terrible, the terrible rules of amateur athletics where money is not supposed mm-hmm. to be involved. Yeah, you can draw a direct line between Hardaway, you know, giving this original money to him to becoming the Memphis coach to bringing Wiseman to Memphis. So that's there. Um, but the ineligibility, again, goes to the booster thing. And, uh, yeah, basically, um, I would love to just shit on the NCAA for a while. I like that. Um, but yeah, so what do you guys think of this? Um, both the whole situation and, you know, should Memphis just continue to drag it out in the courts and make the NCAA, uh, try to exert what should be their non-existent power? So, I mean, to me, I hope Memphis continues fighting this because I think it's kind of a load of BS. And I say this largely in part because I'm thinking about, all of the different rich kids who have gotten to play in whatever high schools they've wanted to because their parents have been able to send them there That's right. or move there without thinking about the like repercussions or the difficulties that might be standing in the way of them living there. Um, I can think of, so like uh, my best friend went to Montverde Academy in Claremont, Florida, which is where RJ Barrett went there, a basketball powerhouse school in Florida. And like, I can recall her telling me that they have like extra large desks in their classroom because they know that they are recruiting basketball stars and they know that they're getting <laughs> basketball stars from all over the place. They're not just getting kids from Claremont, Florida, which is like of kind of the middle of nowhere. And so it, it, it creates a, a disadvantage based on class for those high school students whose families are well-to-do and can go wherever and then get into whatever colleges to kind of make a big splashy name for themselves versus those who might need a little help in getting there, a little support in getting there. So that's, that's yeah, the thing no. about this that like from the start annoys me. And then with the NCAA and the way the NCAA decides to kind of 
I don't know, chase things around as if they're not uh, like as if this actually is about amateur sports when we all know that these are big money making sports and they keep they keep trying to toe that amateurism line and protecting this notion of amateurism as if like that is the end all be all um, without actually making an acknowledgement to all the different pockets that like they are gaining money from. That's right. And it's it's unfair. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Uh, let's let's take a step back here. The NCAA uh, says that Wiseman is is ineligible, and, and first of all, James Wiseman himself, I'm sorry, dude. Like, I'm sorry that this is happening. Yeah. I'm sorry that you're caught in the middle of this mm-hmm. uh, because I'm sure you just want to play basketball and enjoy your time as a student athlete. And what is he? Eighteen? Yeah, I mean, yeah, 19, 18, 19, 19 yeah. max. Okay, do you remember what it was like when you were eighteen mm-hmm. and nineteen? Um, I was an idiot. Just gonna go ahead, straight up, say that. Uh, Just a kid following my dreams. I was like thirty-two before I stopped being an idiot. <laughs> well, I'm currently seventy-two, and I feel for I I, I mean I feel for the young man uh, because, uh, you know, Ariana, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, I think in this situation. Um, not only did you know is is someone able or not able to to attend the school they want to there are major systemic problems mm-hmm. with the extension of credit uh the extension of loans mm-hmm. right um uh this was a loan um well you know nominally uh i, I haven't i haven't looked into the facts um <laughs> uh but but in terms of of being able to to get a loan to to help with moving expenses mm-hmm. That's not something that banks do for everyone. Yep. Uh, so, so I do, um, I do have some some thoughts about that. But, I, but I want to think uh, about this from from Memphis's angle, uh, University of Memphis. Uh, okay. So the NCAA has ruled uh, uh, Wiseman ineligible. You uh, continue to play him in the games. What consequence? What, what's the consequence? Well, really? yeah, no, they, I, I, it could be that eventually they not only um, take away all your wins for mm-hmm. this year, but their sanctions going forward. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the worst case scenario for them, probably. Yep. The worst case scenario for University of Memphis. Yes. Yep. Right. Um, well, what if um, it doesn't matter to the University of Memphis that these penalties come down? Uh, they're filling the seats. Mm-hmm. With an entertaining team, with a hometown hero mm-hmm. as the coach, Memphis against everybody, uh, and so you know they tried to kill us, they tried to get us, they tried to take our scholarships away. Uh, uh, why doesn't Memphis just break all the rules and see what happens? I would love that, and you know, one thing I sent you guys, I wrote about this. Mm-hmm. It'll be in <laughs> Golf Digest of all places. <laughs> um, but one thing I wrote is, that, I mean, you look at uh, you know the thing that happened in California, where Governor Newsom yep. wrote the thing that says, okay, now you can, uh, in this state at least, mm-hmm. the college thing. athletes. The th- the thing. Say that again. The thing. What thing? The law. The law. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was there what we go. I am <laughs> yeah, sorry to uh, laws things. The, eh. the semantics. I hate to stiff the law, but no. Yeah. So they said in this state at least, you can profit off your likeness, meaning you yep. can do endorsement deals, you can right. have an agent, you can et cetera, et cetera. You can make money. Um, 
the NCAA fought that tooth and nail as yep. hard as they could. They're still going to try to fight it. However, at the same time, they have now made it legal everywhere. Yep. <laughs> and, and you know why. It's, and Coach K, of course, came out and supported it. You know why. Because nobody wants, all of a sudden, like, Coach K doesn't want all There'll the be a top talent recruits vacuum. to go to California. Right. right, right, exactly. So And they're going to put pressure on the NCAA. The NCAA capitulates immediately. Now, mm-hmm. part of the core thing, and, you know, people who really want to learn about this should read the Atlantic article about the NCAA from years ago by Taylor. I can't remember his last name. Google it. You'll find it. But they have power for the most illegitimate, historical, yep. historically anomalous, accidental reasons. And they know that every single time someone challenges them, right. they lose power. Yep. And so all they keep doing is back off. So I love what you're saying, Aaron. It's exactly what I want Memphis to do because it's like, okay, yeah, discipline me. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean that in the fun, kinky way. <laughs> no, I mean it as like a challenge. Like, yeah. come on, NCAA, what are you going to do if we say, yeah, we're playing him all year? Would you say they have a chip on their shoulder? <laughs> I might indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, do it. Because here's the, here's the bottom line for me is that to get on my soapbox for a second, I don't care what Penny Hardaway, I think it's great that he paid this guy to come. I think it's great that this guy's family took the money. By all rights, he should be allowed to be playing mm-hmm. in the NBA right now and making millions of dollars. His talent dictates that he's worth that much. Yep. Instead, he is a commodity. <laughs> yep. He is a commodity being used by Memphis, we must say, along with the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis in a down year, I looked at the numbers, when Tubby Smith was like blubbering around on the court or whatever, they made $6 million still, their basketball program in mm-hmm. revenue. They generated a lot of money. They're generating far more this year, and a huge part of that is because of Penny Hardaway mm-hmm. and James Wiseman. Now, Penny gets paid... What he, yep. what he deserves because he's a professional. Right. James Wiseman gets absolutely nothing, nothing. used to him except a place to live and food or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and some classes. And even still, there are some stipulations on like what food, yeah. like what things sure. are, yeah, covered sure. there. They're going to nickel and dime even uh-huh. on the little stuff. Which is ridiculous. He is bringing so much money to that school and getting nothing in return. And that's an exploited, exploitative system that uh, is a sin that's far worse than any of the, you know, the smaller sins that happen mm-hmm. within it. And I think one thing I wrote, and I'll probably just be echoing myself, is, okay, when you have a system so rife with inequality, it's going to produce black markets where people like James Wiseman and his family get theirs. Mm-hmm. And they deserve to. And I don't think we should be punishing them. I think we should be punishing the people who perpetrate the system. The system. Well, I think Memphis is definitely going in that direction. Uh, if you look at the... Uh, uh, if you look at the the documents surrounding the uh, the temporary restraining order, um, this all seems to have been uh, rather carefully orchestrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, The filing of the complaint happened around three thirty p.m. on Friday. Um, the yeah. uh, uh, The ultimate uh, resolution, uh, the issuing of the the temporary restraining order, happened around five forty five. Conveniently, around the end of close of business, mm-hmm. uh, after the uh, <laughs> after the NCAA had been uh, had been served, and there's there's a bit. Uh, I'm going to drop a, a fancy word. On you. There's a bit of champerty going on here. Uh, a bit of what? Yes, uh, a legal term uh, where the University of Memphis, I believe, um, uh, helped to engineer this lawsuit and have themselves named as a defendant, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, what Memphis said in this case is, well, NCAA has has ruled uh, that, that you, James Wiseman, are ineligible to play. Uh, we have to listen to them. The only way that uh, we can be stopped is if you sue us, uh, and, and I think that the University of Memphis very wisely uh, was uh, behind this, uh, behind hmm. the, the suit, um, hmm. Uh, getting themselves named as a defendant in the suit, essentially taking it 
uh, out of their hands for the for the time being anyway which shows to me that that I I think they are definitely taking an aggressive uh uh strategy here uh, which is not something you often see uh, mm-hmm. schools that are quote unquote in trouble doing yeah, yeah and, and it goes back to the thing of the NCAA is as powerful as we let them be mm-hmm. and, and so it's yeah the time does seem right for somebody to make a move like this now I will say this the NCAA understands this too and which is why they're always capitulating in this day and age my prediction is Memphis fights it and the NCAA goes oh you know what he's eligible right they know what fights to give up yeah. But at the same time, they give up little bits of power. But if they choose to, they know that if they choose to fight the long fight, they could be giving up a whole bunch of power and the house of cards that they're built on could just collapse like tinder sticks. God, I'd love to see it. <laughs> yeah, I really would, too. I mean, it's and that's a really fascinating um, angle, Aaron. And the, mm-hmm. the idea that Memphis got themselves named as defendant on purpose. And it's it really kind of leaves the NCAA alone on an island in this thing doesn't it well it um it it certainly shows um that all right and these are just my opinions but but uh, it, it really shows that there is um a perhaps a growing sense by the institutions that are regulated by the ncaa uh that they are willing to uh to fight back um mm-hmm. At the same time, uh, I think they're both, uh, it takes two to tango. Um, uh, and, uh, um, you know, as Memphis and the NCAA work this out uh, between themselves and Memphis acting as a proxy for, for presumably at least some other institutions who want to see uh, reform, as that all works it out, uh, works itself out, there's basketball to play on the floor. There's a kid and his family mm-hmm. uh, who are, are caught in the middle of this. And um, uh, I, I, I'll admit to this um, because it, it feels bad. There's a little part of me as a fan of Duke that says, oh, they're best, best players out. <laughs> um, and that I consider to be just such a nasty instinct. Um, mm. And part of fandom, the the delight in the the uh, the sorrows of others, yeah. especially when the others are eighteen to nineteen year old kids, yeah. Um, that you know, just feeling that 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 thought come up felt gross. And mm-hmm. um, sure, yeah. Uh, it's the opposite of solidarity in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's the opposite of what I feel like this this whole thing should be about, uh, which is you know healthy competition. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, uh, giving giving kids a platform to to um, help improve their uh, uh, their life situations, their get educations, um, uh, and uh, the whole circus surrounding it is is just really sad. Yeah, I completely agree with you, um, and I hope I hope it's on the verge of changing. But one thing I, I do take from it, I for example, the NCAA. Uh, issued their statement on Twitter and the responses and again it's Twitter it's yeah. tends to be younger more leftist people or whatever but it's people had nothing for they yeah. were not taking it they were just kind of making fun of them and and just saying how disgusting and awful it was and if anybody supported them people called that person a bootlegger <laughs> so I mean it's like a lot of things in our society the more to your point Aaron that we can stop demonizing 
the young people, yeah. uh, like, oh, James Wiseman broke the rules. Uh, it, you know, instead, the more we can focus on the system. And, mm-hmm. and I think people are doing that. I think the NCAA is a villain here. Yep. Everybody knows it. And I love that uh, because that wasn't the case 10 years ago. Yep. Um, 10 years ago, you would have heard the classic arguments, which we still hear from some corners of, well, he knew the rules, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, we're all going to hear from the insufferables on, on Twitter and everything. But uh, for the most part, I think the, the sort of rhetorical tide has shifted against the NCAA. Uh, okay, let's wrap up that little segment. Uh, we've done James Wiseman to death, but yeah. again, hope uh, hope the NCAA backs off, or I hope if they fight, Memphis sticks up to them and uh, and we get some serious changes. Duke, uh, who now has a clear path to the title, amazingly, because James Wiseman got suspended. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, no, they uh, so they're playing Central Arkansas on Tuesday. Um, Aaron, I know you've got some thoughts on Central Arkansas that I don't have. Scouting report. What do you got? Update us. They scored 78 points against Georgetown. Who Duke will play? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's got to be be the second day of of a little two-day tournament. Tournament. Um, Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, Again, Ariana, I don't have a ton to say about this coming game. I'm excited to see what Duke has. That's about it. Yeah. um, I don't know a lot about Central Arkansas. I think my um, hopes for the game are for Wendell to keep being on this upward trend of kind of showing us his stuff and what he can do. Um, I hope that we can kind of notch down our turnovers um, and keep coming out strong on defense. Um, Maybe we'll actually hit some more threes instead Mm -hmm. of kind of having a mediocre percentage like we have kind of had. Um, And I don't know. I'm still getting a feel for these gray jerseys with the gold trim on them. Oh, yeah. I haven't... uh, seeing them for is the that, first time is that in, happening again uh so yeah that's what our jerseys were friday night i imagine those will be the home jerseys oh. we wear tuesday night and i still don't know how i feel about them my gut reaction was i didn't like them and i think the gold trim would have looked better with white jerseys because these looked like they were left soaking in dirty like mm. <laughs> water and so they're just permanently stuck this dingy color well Ariana, i'm gonna give you one opportunity here because it had something to do with the troops it was like blah 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 uh, troops I didn't know. So would you like to apologize for disrespecting the troops now publicly on our podcast? Oh, I feel bad now. <laughs> no, I I'm, totally, I'm totally kidding. I, I actually, I don't know exactly what they were, but Spatola was like talking about when he was in the military and it was something. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, he is Coach K's son-in-law. Yes, he is. Yeah. I mean, good for him, I guess. Yeah. Um, does Coach K have two daughters or one daughter? Two. Two? Okay. So Chris Spatola married think. one of them. Yeah. Is the way that works. Yeah. I think that's correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I thought my TV was broken with the gray jerseys. I was like, what's what's going on? It's the all the balance is off. Yeah. Well, we did have the game before when everybody's faces people. were blue <laughs> for some reason. Um well cool. So yeah, we'll wrap that up there. Um we'll be back, I'm sure, later this week in some form or another after the Central Arkansas game. Um Ariana, Aaron, it was a pleasure as always. I love having a couple people that I can just shout about Duke basketball that's with true. and James Wiseman and the NCAA. Uh, for the listeners out there, we are now on Stitcher, iTunes, um, Spotify, and I think we're going to be on Google Podcasts soon, which is apparently is another vehicle that that people use. So, yeah. Uh, final thoughts? Go around the table. What are we thinking? 
Um, I just Googled Coach K has three dollars, three daughters. I should know this because I've met a hand, some of them you, <laughs> multiple times. So like I should to, be better than I, I should handful. be better than that. Would you like to issue another apology? <laughs> I, I would like to issue a formal apology this time to each and every one of Coach K's daughters that I forgot. Well, after that though, can we say that the plural noun for Coach K's daughters <laughs> is a handful? The collective noun, the way it's like a murder of ravens or something. <laughs> It's a murder of crows. Murder of crows, right. Okay, fair. Fact check. <laughs> Aaron, uh, parting shot? Uh, well, Central Arkansas is the bears. Um, I've been told that I have um, uh, bear energy. So, um, I mean, I hope that they do well, uh, but not well enough to, uh, to, to win. That is well put. And with that, I think we shall say goodbye. Everybody enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you later this week. Bye-bye.